Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is All-American Stud, Jonathan Taylor. I'm melting faces in the NFL and you're listening to the best in the business. My man, the podfather. He knows things. Oh, they said karma's going to get you. Oh, it does. After Cam Akers went down to the zero RB zealots, wasted no time coming out. It's victory lapping. See, 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 running backs, they're fragile. See, that's why we're drafting Tyreek Hill in the first round. You need to build an anti-fragile roster, which means starting with five wide receivers, even if you can only start three. Rather have a bench receiver than a starting running back. <laughs> like, it's just this. <laughs> what? They say that, right? They, they say that. The zero RB cult claims to be anti-fragile. And then I look up and, and the flag bearers for the movement, the cult members, they're drafting running backs in the first round. <laughs> so it's like there, there are some that actually drafted Cam Akers. And they're like, oh, that's right. I forgot. I'm supposed to be anti-fragile. I, I talk about it all the time on Twitter and I write about it. When I actually draft, I don't follow my own advice, but maybe I should have. Uh, now my team is finished. Oh, no. It's just, it's just funny. The lengths the zero RB cult members will go to claim that they're big structural drafters and then ultimately just draft whoever they want in any given round. It's amazing. It really, it's amazing. That Kim Akers victory lap was so short lived because a couple days later, boom, karma. This is karma's gonna get you. Gonna knock you right in the head. Michael Thomas goes down. Big zero RB target, Michael Thomas goes down. Reminding all of us that wide receivers are fragile too. This idea that if you draft wide receivers, it's anti-fragile. As if wide receivers are this paragon of durability in the NFL. Like, what? Wide receivers are like sports cars. They're always in the shop. Are you kidding me? Anti-fragile. Please. Please. And focusing on mitigating fragility and protecting yourself from downside and hedging is the straightest path to fourth place in your league. And Neil and Josh on the last Codebreaker show laid it out perfectly. The math says protecting yourself from downside and fragility, that mindset is what will cost you a league championship. Because you should be going all in on certain offenses. You should be stacking your quarterback with his number one wide receiver whenever possible in seasonal leagues, not just in best ball. And if you draft Ezekiel Elliott, the last running back you should be considering is Tony Pollard. Because fuck hedging. If you're betting on Ezekiel Elliott, you can't also bet on Tony Pollard. As much as I love Tony Pollard, I want Tony Pollard in every league where I don't have Elliott. Now in Dynasty, if you have 30 roster spots, it's different. There's no opportunity cost to rostering Tony Pollard. But there certainly is an opportunity cost to rostering a pure handcuff in a traditional league. And looking back through time, whether it be Adrian Peterson or Jamal Charles or Le'Veon Bell or Todd Gurley, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, most league champions hit on a specific league-winning running back. Even 
the great zero RB roster constructed by Sean Siegel in 2013 was built around Jamal Charles. That team didn't win because of any particular wide receiver. It won because you got Jamal Charles. And this year, you're going to want to hit on this year's Jamal Charles, this year's Christian McCaffrey. And the beauty is, Christian McCaffrey's best comparable player on playerprofiler.com isn't even going in the first round right now. I mean, he should. We have him as a first-round selection, ahead of Stephon Diggs, ahead of Ridley, ahead of Adams. Aaron Jones looks like this year's Christian McCaffrey. Because Christian McCaffrey, in 2019, got you close to 300 carries and almost 150 targets. And with Aaron Rodgers back in Green Bay, this offense will be prolific. And for all the reasons that we like DeAndre Swift, we like Alvin Kamara, even Miles Sanders, these running backs are so attractive because they thrive in all phases. And if a running back is going to be firing on all cylinders for a full season, no wide receiver can compete with that player. That's why 2019 was so apropos, where you had Christian McCaffrey dominating, even though Michael Thomas had one of the greatest fantasy seasons for a wide receiver ever. It didn't matter. Those teams with Michael Thomas were getting run over by the Christian McCaffrey teams. And that's why we currently have Aaron Jones ahead of Devontae Adams. Because the running back scores fantasy points in the run game and the pass game. It's really that simple. Why do you like running backs so much? Well, they score fantasy points on run plays and pass plays, where Devontae Adams can only score points on pass plays. Aaron Jones is both the primary back in Green Bay and their second receiver. And he was super efficient, plus 22.1 production premium last year. That's player profiler's signature advanced efficiency metric, top 10 in production premium, top 10 in yards created, top five in true yards per carry, top five in yards per touch. And in the passing game, 1.43 yards per route run, top 10 in that metric as well. And not only was he efficient as a receiver, 53.8% route participation was top 10. 14.5% target share was top 10. He's getting out on routes, he's commanding targets, and he's efficient when targeted. This is what you need. To be this year's Christian McCaffrey, you need to be hyperactive in the passing game while also scoring inside the red zone. And when the Packers enter the red zone, they're incentivized to keep Aaron Jones on the field because he provides them with more versatility instead of bringing on A.J. Dillon, which telegraphs to the defense, oh, we're going to run the ball here. And if Aaron Rodgers chooses to throw, he's going to have fewer options. It's going to condense the field because safeties and linebackers can cheat knowing that A.J. Dillon is not a threat to burn them on a wheel route. If Aaron Jones is going to be a top five fantasy running back for two consecutive seasons, and that's with Jamal Williams on the roster, when Jamal Williams leaves and they don't add significant target or backfield competition, Wouldn't it stand to reason that he would be even better this year? What's better than top five? Well, number one, that's better. The number one running back in fantasy. That is in Aaron Jones' range of outcomes. So when you're drafting a running back early, that's the type of running back you need to be targeting. Ask yourself, can this player deliver 25-plus fantasy points per game and be this year's Christian McCaffrey, this year's league winner, and outscore every single receiver? ensuring the zero RB drafter finishes in fourth place yet again. That guy is Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the best value in the early rounds, and it's not going to last. I mean, the overcorrection to the Aaron Rodgers news, we knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't going anywhere. That's why I started the Scott Fishbowl with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. Duh. But now the market can correct and push Aaron Jones back into the mid-first round, and then he's no longer a value. But 
there was this precious moment when Aaron Jones was slipping into the late second round on Underdog. Underdog Fantasy. Use that promo code UNDERWORLD. And you can use all the strategic advantages that we've laid out on all these shows, including this new Decision Point show with Anna Naduri. But what Josh Larkey's doing on Codebreaker, we just dropped a Breakout Finder episode, which was a lot of fun. Some of the best outtakes we've laid down all year. Underdog Fantasy, promo code UNDERWORLD. You can draft online. You can get the app. You get up to a $25 instant deposit match when you use that promo code. And fortunately, they had this big dog, high stakes tournament that allows you to leverage all the tools at your disposal on Player Profiler from the draft kit to data analysis, the rankings, everything. In addition to, of course, the most advanced free football content on the planet. Underdogfantasy.com, promo code UNDERWORLD. Wide receiver ADPs on Underdog, they're surging right now. And an underreported reason for this wide receiver ADP surge is that I think more Underdog drafters are comfortable with four running back builds. I think because fewer running backs are getting rostered, period, the position is getting de-emphasized and drafters are realizing, oh, I can wait around before I push the button on Travis Etienne. Sure, he's a fourth rounder, but I can get him in the fifth round almost every time. So you're seeing this deflationary cycle continue to push running back ADPs down. And it doesn't matter who the running back is. Now, I don't get all my running backs early on underdog because in best ball, I always want a single satellite back. I want a J.D. McKissick, a Naheem Hines, a James White. Because best ball optimizes your starting lineup every week, you don't need to know when to start Tariq Cohen. That's the beauty of best ball and why you should be drafting Tariq Cohen. His ADP is now outside the top 200, which makes no sense. A couple years ago, Tariq Cohen had over 14.5 fantasy points per game. And now the team trades Anthony Miller to Houston. Houston's just going to carry seven receivers. But who benefits? Not Darnell Mooney and not Allen Robinson. Darnell Mooney's target share is going to be unchanged with or without Anthony Miller. Whoever they play in the slot doesn't matter for Darnell Mooney. They drop plays specifically for Darnell Mooney. Double moves, jet sweeps. He is a prototypical Z. Whether Anthony Miller's on the field or not doesn't affect him. Just like it doesn't affect the alpha Allen Robinson. It affects one player and one player only. Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen's now going to get a lot more slot snaps. Tariq Cohen's going to get more targets. And in games where the Bears are playing from behind, Tariq Cohen is going to give you spike weeks. So the Tariq Cohen underdog ADP is the most mystifying ADP on the board at this moment. If you're focused on how Anthony Miller affects Darnell Mooney, you're not focused on the right details. The moment Anthony Miller goes to Houston... Immediately, I thought, oh, this is great for Tariq Cohen. I want even more Tariq Cohen now. He's 26. He's still in his prime. He's best comparable to Darren Sproles. And now the target competition has been hollowed out behind Robinson and Mooney. This is what you're looking for. So the idea that his ADP would fall close to three rounds on only positive news shows you the inefficiency of the ADP markets and how fickle fantasy gamers are. That a month ago, they loved running backs, and now they love wide receivers. Make up your minds, man. Especially in the first round. Do you want to hit on the next Christian McCaffrey, or do you want to load up on wide receivers early and finish fourth? <laughs> now, I have rosters with both Aaron Jones and Tariq Cohen, because when I draft a running back, I want them to be active in the passing game. The cheat code that running backs offer is that they score fantasy points 
regardless of whether it's a run or a pass. Running back versatility for fantasy football more than offsets their fragility. Yes, they're more fragile than wide receivers, but not so much so that you don't need them to win. Back in 2013, Sean Siegel needed Jamal Charles. And if there's running back going outside the first round that I think could be that guy this year, it's Aaron Jones. And this isn't the end of Bears talk on Roto Underworld Radio today because joining me on the program is the one, the only, Brad Evans. If you're just getting started with fantasy football, you likely don't understand the kind of impact that Brad Evans has had on this business. He is one of the true OGs, and we're fortunate to get him while he's launching this brand new endeavor. Talking to him was a big treat. Be sure to follow him at Noisy Wavos, N-O-I-S-Y-H-U-E-V-O-S on Twitter. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program, because we're looking for Signal, and he knows how to fade the noise. <laughs> Formerly of Yahoo, and soon to be somewhere else, uh, coming from parts unknown, Brad Evans, talk to me. Hey, what's up, Sexy? Uh, thanks for having me on, Mr. Kelly. It's a long time no see, and we need to remedy that uh, over, I don't know, half a bottle, full bottle of tequila, maybe two bottles of tequila. I'll swallow the worm if you swallow the scorpion. Let's just agree uh, on that fine point. Uh, but I appreciate you having me on. And by the way, for people that may not know, tequila, according to the Mexican government, is good for bone density. Yes, tequila is my favorite drink, just tequila. A giant ice ball, a bunch of lime juice. Yeah, the craft ice. You got to have the craft ice. Oh, I have to have the craft ice, get the big, big giant block of ice in there, <laughs> and I crack a bunch of salt, the, the, the fresh cracked Himalayan salt. That's what I want. I want the Himalayan sea salt in there, mm. and then, then, then I'm good. And I'm good. I don't need any extra sugars or anything like that. Just give me a lime oh. with a tequila. That's what I do. I go to a party. I have a tequila in one hand, a lime in the other, and I'm good. And here's the good news. Yeah, you know, when you're 85 years old, uh, you won't have osteoporosis. That's great. Bone density. <laughs> that that tequila with the testosterone, and I'm good. <laughs> and I have my muscles and my bones. I you know I buy new shirts. I'm so jacked. Because of all the tequila. It's liquid steroids. That's that's what it is. Yes, that's what Tom Brady's been doing. That's what he's been that's been the secret all along. With his fake videos that people are buying is real. Oh, the fake hair, the fake face, the fake social media, the fake supplements. Everything is fake except the rings. Except for the rings and um well, no, I, I I this is definitely fake. I would say the meats at Subway that he's now pitching, but we know those aren't real either. As if Tom Brady eats at Subway. <laughs> Fuck out of here. Saw that ad. I was watching the Olympics last night. I saw that. I'm like, oh, my God. Tom Brady's doing Subway commercials. This is hilarious. And his punchline was great. He's just he's just cashing in, man. He's and he's he's has he's hired these kids to manage his social media. And he's just saying, just do whatever you want. Just do it. You want to punk golfers. You want to produce fake videos. I'm I'm here for all of it. Just give me engagement. He just doesn't care. He just he just wants engagement. He gets it, man. This guy's oh, a businessman. Yeah, he, he's a shrewd, shrewd businessman. 
I wouldn't want to be on the other side of the negotiating table with Tom Brady. He would, oh, he would eat me up. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, and he's handsome. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there's that. The, the, the hairline. I mean, come on. Get out of here, Tom. Come on. We, we, we know what's <laughs> I'm up. I'm envious. Yeah. We, we, come on. I mean, let's be honest. Come on. Now, you have a, a great chin, just like Tom Brady. <laughs> one of the great chins in the industry. And I remember seeing you at, at Yahoo many years ago. We actually did the Yahoo draft show together. I think it was 2017. It was the Miles Garrett year. Yeah, that was actually the Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Trubisky draft. Right. Yeah. I, you've. I thought you wiped the Trubisky pick from your memory. Uh, I, well, I was. I blacked out for a moment. If people, you know, recall that broadcast, uh, I remember Brandon and I were on Fantasy Island. Uh, so you were in studio with Syracuse and Tank Williams and Mike Hill and company. Charles Robinson also on set. So you were way off in the distance, and I knew the Bears were going to do something stupid. I did not expect them to pull the ultimate dumb card and they certainly did and they've been wearing a dunce cap ever since but maybe this is the year matt maybe this is the year i like the move i like the listen we we evan silva and i came out with a show yeah just leveling the chicago bears organization as we do every year the previous year was the houston texans and so hey we have a, a successful track record of calling franchise implosions and then they go out and they stumble into Justin Fields, and we're like, wait, this is not fair, man. We just took you down on a podcast. You can't go get the best value quarterback on the board. This isn't cool. Yeah, I mean, look, it was a glorious night, uh, and and I think we'll forever go down in Chicago Bears lore as maybe one of the greatest, if not the greatest draft they've had, because they got Tevin Jenkins, too, who I thought was an extraordinary value that they traded up for in round two. So the first two picks for the Bears, they knocked it out of the park. Now I just got to trust Matt Nagy, who is very untrustworthy to make the right decision. Good picks, but they were they didn't have trade-ups behind them. So they, yes. they couldn't quite have a perfect draft. There had to be multiple trade-ups involved because we're talking about Ryan Pace, and that's, that's all he knows how to do is trade up, never trade down. Now, I just want to talk briefly about your history in this business because you're one of the true OGs. You're one of the original fantasy analysts. You, Matthew Barry, decided that this is actually a full-time job. We're going to create this role in sports media, analyzing fantasy sports. And at the time, that was a revelation. That was an innovation in sports media, and you were on the forefront of that. So just can you talk briefly about how you ended up deciding I'm going to be a fantasy analyst at a time that that didn't exist? Yeah, it's uh, my path is rather circuitous uh, to get where I am right now or even to, to get where I was, you know, back in the day starting at Yahoo Sports. So I was a teacher, Mr. Kelly, uh, back way back in the day in a town where I'm currently back. Uh, I, I moved away for 11 years and I moved now back to Champaign, Illinois, uh, where I grew up, went to high school here. Beautiful. I love that town. Yeah, Mikel LaShore. I went to my high school. Uh, that's a you know blast of the past for a lot of people that you know, may or may not recall his days at Illinois briefly with the Detroit Lions. Oh, no, everyone's talking about Mikel LaShore because he and Cam Akers look the same guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, they, they tore their Achilles. And, and if Mikel LaShore can't come back, then Cam Akers can't. There's similar prospects. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's actually uh, entirely spot on and entirely realistic as well. So I was uh, a teacher. Uh, I taught at an alternative high school here in Champaign. Was that like in the 90s, like grunge? No, no, this is early 2000s. Um, No, I mean alternative. 
Oh yeah. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what you're going with. I thought you were saying it was in the '90s. Terrible dad joke. What was Eddie Vedder in the class? <laughs> yeah, we were blasting Soundgarden. Uh, you know, we're playing Lithium on Sirius XM, and just you know, we cranked it to eleven every single day in class. Uh, I was slow the take on the alternative. Yeah, well played by you. A uh, big fan of alternative rock. But anyway, I digress. So I was in the classroom. And you know, I taught history. I taught weather because I have an advanced degree, uh, master's degree in geoscience from Mississippi State University with an emphasis in meteorology. So I wanted to be a weather nerd first and foremost. Maybe eventually, you know, teach at the junior college or university level. Uh, but you know, I was six years in. I stumbled across a column that was on Roto World that Matthew Barry had written. I was researching uh, fantasy baseball closer pickups. And oh, wow. I had never read an article by Matthew Barry ever before. Never even heard of Matthew Barry, but it was a good hook, apparently. I don't remember what the hook was, but it was a good hook that Roto World had on site that got me to click on it. Clicked on it. You know, Matt is pretty long-winded in how he writes. He fully admits that. Very creative, but long-winded. And I just went, you know, down, found out what pickups he was talking about with the closers. And then at the very bottom of the footer of the column, he said, hey, join my Yahoo group site if you like fantasy sports. Now, for people that don't know anything about Yahoo Groups, it was like Reddit before Reddit. So, you know, it was a message board. Uh, like-minded people would join, and they would just rap. They would just exchange ideas or whatever. So I started doing that for a short time. Uh, he noticed that I had some cogent answers, apparently. And he goes, hey, uh, would you like to come and write for this site? I can't pay you, uh, but I'm going to start this site called TownOfMrRoto.com. This was back in, like, 04. I said all I did in college was drink and write. I was a history major. And, um, you know, from there, I started doing it on the side with my teaching gig, uh, writing columns. Uh, Pierre Beckway was there, Christopher Harris, who's been in the industry for a long time. Uh, we eventually brought in Andy Barons. I mean, there are a number of wow. marquee names that all started right there at Town of Mr. Roto. It, it, it blew up in two years. Uh, Matt ended up selling it to ESPN, of course, partly that. It was a long-term gig with ESPN. Uh, Yahoo was needing some people, uh, Brandon Funston had reached out to him and said, Hey, I'm looking to hire a couple of full-time guys to expand our fantasy coverage at Yahoo sports. Uh, Matthew yes. very kindly and graciously said, Hey, I got this Brad Evans guy. We got Christopher Ferris and we had another guy named Dave Young. We interviewed, you know, Tuba's got the gig and, um, and the rest is history. I was at Yahoo for 13 years until the pandemic hit. The Yahoo noise. So what was it like at Yahoo? Cause Yahoo is the leading fantasy platform for fantasy football. There's more fantasy leagues happening on Yahoo than anywhere else in the business. And you were there at the peak of the Yahoo fantasy powers. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, I was on the first ever episode of fantasy football live, uh, for people that, you know, have watched the show or, you know, may be familiar or not familiar with the show. Uh, you know, that started uh, 15 years ago, and it was a concept that nobody had ever done before. There was never, ever had been a live streaming sports broadcast. That's this right. This was back in 2006. It had never happened, and we did it. And I remember, you know, the very first show after it was done, I could hear the control room in my ear, and I had never done, like, television before or anything. So for me, you know, it was like baby steps getting there, doing some short video, cutting my teeth. Uh, and then we did this live show, and it was flying by the seat of our pants. And I just remember everybody in the control room with this uproar uproarious, uh, you know, just loud scream of, yeah, F, yeah, high five, all this stuff. And I'm like, what do we do? And they're like, we just made history. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And then they explained that there had never been 
a show like this ever done before. So that really broke new ground. And, you know, Yahoo had a lot of innovations. Uh, wow. And it, it was, you know, some of the, my greatest days ever made, you know, countless friends uh, during the decade plus that I was there. And, you know, we're able to try some new things out, see if they could stick. And, you know, I think we really advanced the industry forward. So I'm very, very proud of the innovations and the creativity and the execution of the Yahoo Fantasy team over the years. Yeah, and when I was at Yahoo for a year doing the videos in the studio with the player profiler backdrop, shared the studio with Yahoo Finance. And you can see how Yahoo Finance took some of the techniques that, the fantasy group was using and now you can see the uh, yahoo finance is like the king of streaming content yeah that's exactly right i mean uh, yahoo finance is absolutely crushing it it's one of the more profitable endeavors of uh, the yahoo portfolio of assets and you're right i mean there, there's a lot of overlap there between finance and with fantasy you know it's it's so a stock true. market game essentially yeah, yeah. And, and i think you then parlayed that idea into fade the noise what people now know as ftn yeah correct so during the you know right when the pandemic hit i had actually been pitched on an idea by kevin adams in uh las vegas uh during the national title game and i think it was like i don't know six tequilas in um and i heard the pitch and i'm like hmm interesting um so you know i put it in the back of my head later connected uh you know through a mutual friend with him what was the original pitch uh, the original pitch was just a you know an all-encompassing sports betting slash fantasy sports suite of sites, and originally the pitch was his content and my content living together. We would develop some tools together, and that was it. And and then you know the thing just took on a life of its own because when the pandemic hit, you know obviously major media companies started stripping away talent and trying to unload cash um, on the books because you know nobody knew in the sports desert when sports were going to return. And to what capacity, uh, because of all those variables and unknowns at play, the then market flooded with a lot of really good young voices. So we decided as a group, hey, let's go out and recruit these guys. Uh, let's raise some capital. Let's really you know, go all in on the site and grow it and mature it and rear it. And, you know, 18 months, 20 months later, here it is, FTN, and no longer no longer part of it. I've exited. But, uh, you know, kudos to the entire team over there. They have got an incredible foundation that they can build on for years to come. So really proud of, of what we've uh, done and created over there, uh, though I'm now out of the mix. No fantasy information enterprise has ever grown this fast. I've never seen anything like it in this space. It's pretty amazing. Well, you know, the, the best ideas and typically the best time to launch is in times of crisis. And, you know, we've seen that throughout American history in different industries. Um, and, and this is no different, you know, COVID-19 created a crisis in our country. And as a result, because of the uncertainty, we decided to strike while the iron was hot, while the market was bare, because we knew that a bull market would soon return because with past, but dead, uh, and gamification, you know, rapidly intensifying and growing, we knew there would be a massive appetite for this kind of content. And we just had to develop something that'd be really cool and unique and uh, with all the tools and, you know, innovations that we were able to make, I feel that, uh, you know, we hit that out of the park, at least the best way that we could at that moment in time. Well, what would be some advice that you would give to young people that are considering starting a new enterprise, specifically in this space, but not even, could be in any space, anything that they're passionate about? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, I think that P word, passion, 
uh, is essential. Um, you've got to put in the grunt work. You've got to have a strong work ethic. You've got to put in the grind. Um, you know, we were able to create a rocket-propelled ship, not a penis-shaped rocket, mind you. We're not quite billionaire status like Bezos and some of the other guys that are out there. Uh, but we were able to create a rocket ship with FTN uh, very rapidly. But as you mentioned, it is rare. It is tough to do something like that. And we took advantage of what the market demanded at that moment in time. Uh, what I can tell you is this. If you're looking to get in from a talent side, you have got to be multidimensional, right? You have got to be willing to do on-camera stuff. You got to be able to do pod work. You got to be comfortable behind uh, the mic. You got to be comfortable on a keyboard and hammering out text. And, you know, for a lot of young people that are up and coming, they're comfortable more so in this day and age with, you know, mobile devices and the technology that's advanced with camera, on-camera stuff, because you always have a camera in your pocket. You know, the mic work may not be as polished and the written work certainly isn't as much, but it's still important because it still drives audience. And, you know, I'm a believer and subscriber to uh, Gardner's theory of multiple intelligences and how people read and react and understand things differently. So right. you have to educate in different ways to appeal to people that are visual, uh, whether through video, maybe more short form, or people that want something more in depth and they want it written, or they would rather you know pop on their AirPods and you know listen to a podcast. So you know you have to be able to hit all of those people to get your content, to get your points across, and that's why you do it so brilliantly and everything that you do, uh, because you know with Player Profiler you have the rich statistical data and a very clean and wonderfully designed site. You back it up with this podcast, which is extremely popular. You can write as well, uh, and you're comfortable on camera. So, you know, you're a quadruple threat in that way, and that's what people should aspire to be. Uh, it is a saturated market. You and I both know that. I mean, there are a ton of sites out there, but there's still different ways to differentiate yourself in the marketplace to build up your brand. And more importantly, man, you have got to hustle you have got to network with as many people as you can. I'm a relationships guy, and relationships in any industry is practically everything uh, because you never know when somebody can help you out and you know get you from point A to point C, uh, whether in a near term or long term. So you know all those things you really got to you know work into, and you know you also got to embrace if you're going to launch a business like the sales side of it. You know all about this, the marketing side of things. You got to wear a lot of hats. And like I said, it is a grind and you got to put in the grunt work to succeed. On any given day, I could be producing a one minute TikTok or a two and a half hour podcast. Yeah. In some days I produce both, right? So that's just for different types of people. Most of the people that are going to watch that one minute TikTok are not going to listen to the podcast. And those who listen to the podcast aren't on TikTok. And so there's just all this different clusters of people these concentric circles where some of these concentric circles touch and overlap and some don't and just want to make sure that you're beaming your message, your signal is getting out to all these groups of people. Just identify where the people are that might enjoy what you're producing and just beam a signal out to all of them. It's just that the signal has to be in a different wavelength depending on what galaxy you're sending it out to. That's how I think about it. No, and I think that's a, a very fair and accurate metaphor. Uh, yeah, you got to cast as many lines as you possibly can, uh, can to catch as many fish as you possibly can. And, and it's going to make you more attractive to major media employers as well. You know, if you have that utility belt strapped around your waist 
and you're comfortable doing this, that, and the other thing, you know, when the big boys come a calling, you're going to be highly employable in their mind because they're maximizing their reach. They're maximizing the content that they can get out of you and justify paying you a high salary. So it behooves anybody that gets in this industry to have those skills on that utility belt. And then again, too, going to FSGAs, you know, those conferences that are out there, networking with as many people as you can and meeting them face to face, you know, not just behind a screen. And I know it's been tough over the last, you know, year, 18 months because of COVID. But now that we're getting back to closer to a sense of normalcy, you know, those conferences and meetings will be taking place again. And gladheading still is very important, particularly in this industry. Yeah, at the MIT Sports Analytics Conference, I sat down to watch some session, and the guy that sat next to me was Josh Larkey, and we struck up a conversation, and now he's our head of analytics. That was a face-to-face meeting at a conference where I wasn't necessarily there to find our next head of analytics. At the time, I didn't know that that was a position that would ever exist, but we kept in touch after that. He started doing some small freelancer work for us. And over time, I realized, oh, this guy can handle a full-time job. He can lead this team. That's how it works. And that's how it works. That's how it works. And like, I remember with Yahoo, I struck up a conversation on Twitter with Liz Loza. She ended up asking me to come on her podcast last minute. I was like, sure, absolutely. I'd love to. And then, oh, you got to come on my podcast. And then, you know, in the, at some point, during you know the pre-show, she's like, "Oh well, you, you know this data could be valuable to Yahoo. Let's introduce you to the the content people at Yahoo. Maybe we can use your data in creative ways." And so that relationship created an opportunity. So you have to be open to those things. And sometimes I may have an appointment, but guess what? I'm having a great conversation with someone in the industry that I respect, and I'm going to go ahead and push that so I can give my full attention to the conversations that I'm having in that moment. Yeah. You're always looking for those springboard opportunities uh, that could launch you into other stratospheres. And you got to take advantage of them, man, because they're rare and you're right. And oftentimes it's face-to-face interaction uh, that creates those, those moments. So what's next? Any hints as to (laughs) what you're going to be doing next, or is it just radio silence for the moment? Well, I, I can't tell you exactly who's going to employ me, uh, but I could kind of tell you what I have in the designs. Uh, it is going to yes. be a major media company, all right? And it is going to be uh, more than just my ugly face on camera or my face for radio behind a mic. So my Sirius XM show is going to continue. Uh, right. So that's not going to cease. Uh, I do that with Brandon Funson. I absolutely love it. Uh, it's just one endless dick joke after another for two hours, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM. So why would I give that up? I love a good dick joke. Oh, who doesn't? Who doesn't? So, um, you know, that show will continue. My podcast network, the Solid S Podcast Network, is still operational, and we have a partnership with SiriusXM. That will continue. So this is a role that will be video, um, maybe TV-based as well. Uh, there'll be some text involved, and uh, I'm really excited about it. You know, and you know that's at the at the surface behind the scenes. Going to be in a strategy role as well, growing out gaming content for this entity. And uh, there will be a formal announcement, I believe, coming up in uh, about a week. So stay tuned. Okay. So speaking of dicks, enough jerking each other off. <laughs> 
It is pleasurable, Kelly. It is pleasurable. Ah. You have a gentle touch. Let's talk some football. Three first-rounders for Deshaun Watson, huh? Yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? Um, you know, that is aiming for, I, I think, beyond the moon. I think they're aiming for Uranus uh, to use another, <laughs> <There he goes. laughs> another sophomore. Joke. There he goes. I mean, this it, they're not going to get three first-rounders. Not with a guy with so much attached baggage, right? It is still undetermined. How much time Deshaun Watson will ultimately miss because, you know, the violation of the personal conduct policy happened. Now, it's weird that he's not on the exemplist, the commissioner's exemplist right now, which I find mm. bizarre. And maybe maybe they're letting due process play out in civil court because there's, you know, 20 plus of these cases. Some have already been resolved out of court. Others, uh, I think, are going to go through that process. But the, the one key here that people need to remember is no criminal charges have been filed against Deshaun Watson though there were unspeakable claims made against him. So, you know, it's it's a delicate balance for the NFL and how they approach this thing because they have to abide by the letter of the law. But again, they're still a private organization and they can institute any kind of punishment, at least Goodell can, that he wants. So, you know, I don't think anybody is going to be trading three first rounders for a guy that may or may not see the field this year. Okay, that's undetermined right now. And, you know, Watson has shown up to training camp. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, uh, I'm here. I'm abiding by what I agreed to in my contract. However, I am not going to play for the Texans. I'm, I'm not going to do it. So he's still standing by what he feels of this organization's going the wrong direction. I want nothing to do with them, but I am here to be a good teammate uh, in the hopes that they will figure out a way to get me out of this football purgatory. What's crazy is he could be stuck. Ultimately, in a football purgatory this year, Matt, you know, what's, you know, what are the chances that he actually gets dealt, that somebody's got to give up enough draft capital to lure him away? Could be minimal right now. And I know the Eagles are well positioned. I think the Broncos uh, would try to make a move for him as well. Again, they're going to have to do their own investigative reports behind the scenes to see what's going to go on with these civil cases. But, you know, there's a chance here that mm. there isn't a trade. And he's like, I'm not playing for you guys this season. Sorry. And he sits out the entire year. So it's a dicey proposition right now for Deshaun Watson, though, as you mentioned off air, uh, he could be the ace in the hole for a lot of people out there in you know, super flex leagues or potentially oh, in best ball formats. I'm now upset that I wasn't targeting more aggressively in the Scott Fishbowl. The probability that he plays a full season has now gone up, that he's reporting to camp, yeah. that he's not yet been suspended. He's risen on player profilers, dynasty rankings, check him out. But there's now this new possibility that he is stuck in purgatory and that he isn't suspended, but yet isn't playing either, that he's just deactivated by the team. So he doesn't play either way, whether he's suspended, whether he's deactivated, whether he's deactivated by the team, he's just not playing either way. So there's still a high probability that he doesn't play games this year or he plays just a partial season because there's no team going to give up third rounders. That's just the first offer. And then if a team is actually interested, then they can come back with a two first rounder offer perhaps. But it's hard to get my head around the team that's going to be willing to do that. The only team that's actually expressed interest publicly is Philadelphia. Right, and they and they have the draft capital and means to to pull it off because they've got two first rounders, and then there's the pending draft valuation uh, tied to the Carson Wentz deal. 
but that won't be determined until the end of this year. You know, it's based on certain thresholds that Wentz has to hit, and I think the Colts have to hit, in order to, uh, you know, provide the, you know, in-game value for what that, you know, pick is going to be worth, that compensatory pick, essentially. So, um, yeah, we'll see, but you're right. It is the first volley, and no team is going to have a return volley off that first one. What they will do is they'll wait for this thing to drag out, and then they'll, you know, maybe throw out, hey, we'll give you one first-rounder, and player X or one first rounder and maybe a second or third rounder down the road. And then it's going to be up to the Houston Texans whether or not they're going to take a discount and get out from underneath this weight of Deshaun Watson or they hold out. That's TBD. Where do you want him to go? Because I don't want him to go to Philadelphia. I don't think anyone in fantasy football wants him to go to Philadelphia and potentially ruin what we expect to be a, a QB1 season from Jalen Hurts. So, where would you like to see him go where he would only help fantasy gamers? Yeah, it's it's clearly Denver, in my estimation. I, yes. I mean, Denver is the perfect right. setup, right? Look, right. I, I don't know where you're at on Cortland Sutton, uh, but I love the guy. And, you know, the fact that he had the ACL injury early in the season in week two, uh, you know, remember two years ago, he was 1,100-yard receiver, had a handful of touchdowns, 70-plus receptions. And he had one, one of the lowest catchable target rates, uh, you know, based on the statue you guys track in the NFL. Yeah. Right. And... And I think Sutton could really storm back with a vengeance. You got Jerry Judy there, and I know he had the case of the dropsies. Well, he had the best highlight reel of 2019. Oh, yeah, Sutton did. Absolutely. Yeah. And then he, and then you got Judy, right? You got K.J. Hamler there who can operate as a water bug underneath. You oh, got uh, Javante Williams, juggernaut Javante, I like to call him, I think is going to be a special running back in this league. If, with a great offensive line. They get all the pieces except the quarterback. They just need to yeah. put the antenna on the tower. Yeah, that's all they got to do. So that makes the most sense to me. And I think the Broncos, because they have been you know, tied to the Aaron Rodgers ongoing soap opera for so long, uh, are entertaining whatever quarterback they can get. They just need that franchise cornerstone, whether it's Watson or Rodgers. And if they get them, knowing that they probably have a top five defense overall as well, they're Super Bowl contenders immediately. Yeah, you're a sports betting savant. And we just saw the sports books take down all the Packers props. What do <laughs> yeah. you think of that? Uh, I think it's a bunch of bluster. I, I don't think it's much of anything. I, I think it's books uh, that are making sure that their asses are protected. That's what they're doing right now. I, I think that was a move that was made in haste on their part to try to uh, alleviate some of the risk that's out there. Uh, I still think at the end of the day, and and, and maybe what Rogers have posted on Instagram with a reference to the last dance of MJ and Pippen uh, and you know Devontae Adams doing the same thing, although that was very telling. Uh, I think that says, hey, one last ride, one yeah. more year with the Packers, and it's over. So I, I think this, I think it's done. They all hated Jerry Krause in that final season. Big deal. They hate Jerry Krause. Jerry Krause hates them. They're playing. That doesn't mean they're not going to play. They're going to wind up playing, and I'm going to tell you right now, Aaron Rodgers, and really to a certain extent, too, Devontae Adams is going to be some of the biggest steals of early draft season uh, based on how far they had fallen. I mean, I'm, I'm consistently getting Aaron Rodgers in, like, round four of Superflex leagues. That's absurd. That's absurd. Yeah, I, I I got Aaron Rodgers in the second round of the Scott Fish Bowl, and then I backed it up with Devontae Adams in round three. So you actually, <laughs> if you want the stack, if Ow. you want the Rodgers-Adams stack, you'd have to draft Rodgers and Superflex first. And so if you're backing into it, you would have to necessarily reach for Rodgers or at least take yep. him where he should be going if this news was not 
flooding the sports media channels across the country. I mean, it's it's endless. It's a deluge. We've all been swept away in it. You know, I do a recurring bit on uh, the Serious Sex and Fantasy show. We play, you know, some old timey soap opera music in the background. And it's like, you know, these are the days of Aaron Rodgers lives. You know, <laughs> we call it as the Aaron Rodgers world turns uh, because they're for, you know, for like May, June and the early portion of July. It was every day. It was every day. And, and, and I was asked on Sirius XM, the roster watch show, what I think. And my response was July. Yeah. July. I think July. That's what I think. I think it's July. I think you don't get july Brad. That's the you don't want to get july no, because no, there's repercussions, man. They're far-reaching when you get July'd. Michael Thomas is real news. Yes. This is bad. This was really bad. And we were accused of, and, and you know, we received some feedback that our outlook on Cam Akers was too rosy for the future in Dynasty, and that Michael Thomas's future for Dynasty was uh, were too pessimistic. And I've seen this before. And it's not just A.J. Green. Calvin Johnson, you can go back through time. These wide receivers that experience lower body injuries, specifically foot and ankle yeah. injuries, struggle in those later years, in their late 20s, to get right. Calvin Johnson will tell you, he just wasn't right those final three or four years. And that's why he retired early. This is a real fear now that you're going in for a reconstruction upon a reconstruction of an ankle yeah it's it's alarming it's disturbing and it is damning uh i agree with you there uh you know similar to cam Akers and the achilles injury it's damning for him uh based on you know the history that we've had of running backs who experienced the same injury since 2010 i mean it's not exactly a stirring list of individuals arian foster is the biggest name on that list but he was age 30 uh when it occurred but you know when it comes to this ankle injury and just the timing of it it's odd it's terrible the whole thing smells, man. Yeah, how he waited until June, and now we're just getting this information uh, that came out, and they're saying a 12- to 16-week timetable. At the earliest, you're looking at week three. I think mo what's most realistic, Matt, is that it's going to be uh, until after the bye week for New Orleans because they have an early bye this year in week six. Oh, yeah, and, and, and great. Okay, he's back after the bye week. Oh, yeah, maybe on a snap count. Snap count, exactly, for a couple of games. So you, you can't draft this guy. He's not going to be available until midseason. You can't draft him. No, I agree, and it's it's odd because, you know, people in our industry in general, they get seduced by name brand, That's and right. it's hard for them, even with the damaged goods that are attached to said player, for them to kind of get that out of their mind. And, you know, if you're looking at – I've got Michael Thomas right now in, like, the – the upper 40s, I keep sliding him down in my wide receiver ranks. And honestly, I think when push comes to shove, if I'm sitting there, you know, and I'm looking at, say, uh, you know, like a Jerry Judy's going around wide receiver 40 or Michael Thomas, no way in hell I'm going to take Michael Thomas. Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney is, a you know, another prime example. God, just get Justin Fields in there now, please. <laughs> and be done with it, Bears. But, yeah, I would take Darnell Mooney ahead of Michael Thomas. Think about that. You'd take Darnell Mooney. Yeah, because you you know even with the and I've got my my little calculator here. So let's say go. he misses five games, and we've got you know fourteen games of the fantasy regular season because we have the seventeen game slate this year. That's thirty five point seven percent. Thirty. That's over a third of the fantasy regular season. You're going to be sitting on a guy, and then as you mentioned, they could coddle him, they could baby him for the first couple of games back. 
Yeah, he may not be back after the bye. That's just best-case speculation. Let's say he's back a couple weeks after the bye. Then he's on a snap count. Now we're into week 11, week 12. This is how a lost season happens. Yeah, and we saw this exactly with A.J. Right. Green two years ago. This is how it happens. You talk yourself into, oh, well, he broke his foot early in camp, so he'll he'll be back by this time. And then he's not the same player when he comes back even. And then... If he's not the same player for the entire season, you're hoping for 2022. Well, 2022, he's 29. And he's coming off a complete, total ankle reconstruction at age 29 with Taysom Hill as his quarterback. What are we talking about, Brad? What are we talking about? It's terrible. But you see these wide receiver careers where they erupt for a couple years. Remember, Demarius Thomas, those couple years with Peyton Manning. In his prime, wow, he was the most productive wide receiver in fantasy. You couldn't believe the numbers. How does a guy put up those numbers? That's mind-melting stuff. But then how could he get flushed out so quickly? How could that be possible? How? Right. Well, I, I mean, it happens, and it, it hits you in a hurry. It really does. It happens fast, man. It comes at you so fast. It's a violent game, and as you mentioned, you know, area-specific injuries for certain position players is devastating. devastating. And this is one of those that is devastating. Yeah, this is the Achilles of wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what it this is what it is because Demarius Thomas did come back successfully from the Achilles rupture. So we have that. We have some success stories whether it be Demarius Thomas, whether it be Kevin Durant, we're going to see Marlon Mack. I'm very intrigued to see how Marlon Mack looks in preseason because I think that will help to determine how we value Cam Akers long-term yeah. for Dynasty. If Marlon Mack comes out in preseason, he looks explosive, Cam Akers is going to rise up the Dynasty rankings because that's an indicator of the current medical therapies that are available for that particular injury. And they are getting better for that particular injury. They're getting a lot better for the dense muscle tissue injuries, labrums, patellars, and Achilles than they are these elaborate ankle procedures where I think what happened was they went in and had to perform surgery on one ligament and they were like, we'll wait and see how it responds and we'll determine whether you need to come back in to repair the other ligament because sometimes you can strengthen the muscles and ligaments around a tear and not go back in for a second surgery. This Yahoo draft show we were both on, was with Tony Saragusa. Tony Saragusa played his entire career without an ACL in one of his knees. He tore it with the Colts in his rookie year, and he knew that if he went and had surgery, his career would be over because he would get caught and no one would sign him because he was a fringe player to begin with. So he said, I'm a fringe player. I can't afford to lose this season. I'm going to play on the torn Achilles, and I'm going to play on the torn ACL, and he did. It was amazing. So that ability is there, and he tried to do it. I think what he tried to do is, I'm going to get the one surgery, and I'm going to see if I can strengthen it. And then my guess is, I'm speculating, but he likely was demoralized with how the recovery was going the last couple months. And he said, you know what? It's not happening. We got to go back in, and we got to repair the second ligament. And now you start to think about just the mechanics of rebuilding the entire ankle it's just scary. Am I allowed to be scared? I mean, you should be shivering in your sneakers. I mean, I am. I'm not going to be touching Michael Thomas and redraft uh, dynasty leagues. You know, that ship has sailed now. It's unfortunate. It's sad because, uh, you know, can't guard Mike 
certainly lived up to that moniker for you know the the couple of years that he was at his peak in this league. Yeah, there's some shooting star wide receivers out there. He's a shoot. It, it's possible. Like we're not saying this is the certain outcome that he's going to be AJ Green. That he's on that AJ Green career path. Sadly. But that probability exists, and that probability just became a lot higher with this news. That's all we're saying. We could be looking back in three years thinking about that shooting star that was Michael Thomas. It's just what it is. It's, it's us processing the information that comes in as it comes in. And with no Michael Thomas in New Orleans, that also means more targets for Alvin Kamara. You can't bury the lead that this helps Alvin Kamara a lot. And your boy, Travis Robinson! Don't forget about Adam Troutman. Never, ever, ever, ever forget about Adam Troutman. <laughs> it's your guy. That's your guy. I am Adam Troutman. It's a thing of yeah, beauty. So I, I'm very excited to see what this offense looks like without Michael Thomas because it's interesting to play out the scenarios. With the Cam Akers injury, it's not that interesting. Darrell Henderson comes in. He's now the primary back. Do they sign another running back at some point in preseason? Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. There are just not that many layers of analysis post Cam Akers Achilles rupture. There's a lot of layers in New Orleans how this could impact not only Kamara, but Troutman. Then you got to talk about Traquan Smith. You got to talk about Marquez Callaway and whether this changes the calculus for Sean Payton and he decides. I think that we're better off now going in the Taysom Hill offensive direction. Yeah, and it's not a windmill slam dunk. You know, a lot of people were immediately speculating and jumping to conclusions. I felt that, uh, oh, well, with with the doom and gloom scenario here of Michael Thomas, this automatically inserts Taysom Hill in the starting lineup. No, folks, it doesn't. There's still going to be a training camp battle. Now, I, I think, you know, for Sean Payton's devices, you're right. You know, just go full military school wishbone. <laughs> with Taysom Hill. Why not? And Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray. That is the logical leap that you would say, okay, probability-wise, it was 60-40 Winston. Now we've shifted it and flipped it. It's now 40-60 Winston, 60-40 Hill. It's not certainly going to be Hill, but Hill makes twice as much money. And if you have to manufacture points now, Hill's better at that. You want to manufacture points and minimize turnovers and mistakes hills a better candidate to run that particular offense no i I completely agree with you and right now a steal of a deal in fantasy drafts if indeed hill wins this gig because he's going to be a top 10 quarterback just due to the duality alone think about the late round quarterbacks that have been available this summer Uh, deshaun watson at the end of drafts Taysom hill at the end of drafts two of the better rushing quarterbacks available at the end of drafts yeah, and even Justin Fields and Trey Lance were yeah. are fairly discounted. You have to get one of these guys, even if you have a Stafford or a Tannehill or a Tom Brady or a Rodgers, unless it's a very shallow league, do yourself a favor and just roster Fields, roster Lance, or at least roster Hill. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Need to. Uh, those are lottery tickets that could give you some trade leverage in the end, and you could package together with a bench wide receiver running back to somebody else who's quarterback needy because, as you know, there is turnover in this league constantly. What about Marquez Callaway versus Traquan Smith? Do you have a horse in this race? Not really. I mean, Traquan has been thrust into opportunistic situations before and has fallen flat on his face. That's the problem. 
he's just wildly inconsistent. Now, Callaway has got electric speed. Uh, I think he's an unpolished route runner. But there is going to be a, a moment of opportunity here. And, and I think a lot of it, though, is contingent on who is going to be under center for this franchise. Because we know what Winston's going to do. He's going to grip it and rip it. You know, he, like Ryan Fitzpatrick, is reckless. Uh, he throws downfield and doesn't give two Fs, you know, of whether or not the ball is going to be picked off or it's going to be completed for a 50-yard gain. Um, you kind of want that, you know, amnesia in your quarterback if you are a fantasy enthusiast for either one of these guys. But if it's Taysom Hill, mm-hmm. you know, he had some struggles beyond 20 yards last year. You know, displaying some of that touch and that accuracy, he's a guy that's going to be, you know, probably more to a short to intermediate field passer. Now, he's got the arm strength to get it down there. It's just all about the touch. So, you know, again, there's just, as you mentioned, this is one of the most interesting franchises and how things are going to shape up and pan out over the next three to four weeks as we enter the regular season. Because there's just so many variables and so many unknowns. And as you mentioned, the Chicago Bears are interesting, too. We've been trying to stack Fields and Robinson. If you get Robinson, Allen Robinson, in round three, you need to get Fields on your roster. In best ball, certainly, an underdog, it's a must. And it's easy to draft Fields. He's available in 10th, 11th, 12th round. And in traditional fantasy leagues, because he's not going to be named the starter in week one, most likely, there's uncertainty when he's going to start, well... The casual fantasy gamer doesn't want that guy. They don't want that kind of risk. They're not going to roster him. They're not going to roster Trey Lance. So the underdog ADP on a Trey Lance, on a Justin Fields, is deceiving in that in best ball, you're rostering at least two at least two quarterbacks anyway. And these are sharp minds, and these are sharp players who know that, hey, we can't access the waiver wire, and we're, we're going to draft quarterbacks that we just think are going to play the majority of the games we're not necessarily as focused fixated on week one as traditional fantasy gamers are whereas a traditional fantasy gamer sits down and there's a lot of teams that get drafted and at the end of the draft they just have one quarterback well that's a different format than underdog so the Trey Lance and Justin Fields ADPs in particular are going to be a there's going to be a a, a, a significant there's going to be a, a chasm of difference between where they're going in best ball, and where they're going to go in more casual leagues. And it's going to be imperative not to reach for them, but keep waiting, and they'll hang around, and then make sure you get one of those guys to stash on your bench, especially if you have Ayuk, you want Lance, especially if you have Allen Robinson, you want Justin Fields. Yeah, or to a certain extent, Darnell Mooney as well. I mean, Fields has got an absolute cannon of an arm. You know, I watched him at Ohio State for a number of years to shred elite defenses. And, you know, I know he struggled uh, last season in the national title game. um, But, you know, you look at the Clemson game before, and, you know, I thought he had busted ribs. uh, And he was gutting through the injury and still throwing passes on the money. And, you know, all these people that say, oh, his reads and progressions. His reads and progressions. He's a slow processor. It's it's BS. Just watch the film. I mean, all you got to do is watch him for a couple of games. and be like, uh, I don't see any limitations in his processing at all. So he's got all the natural gifts and talents of the world. I think he's a pretty heady guy. Uh, He's got great command of the huddle. You know, we saw that Ohio State. I mean, he's a modern NFL quarterback. He's a better version of Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts was what? uh, Quarterback six uh, when he was a starter last season in a handful of games. Uh, you know, Fields will be a top 12 guy once Matt Nagy pulls head from posterior and puts him in the starting lineup, which I think is going to be week four 
against the Lions. I'm going to get you out of here soon, but one more Bears player we've got to talk about. David Montgomery. <laughs> David Montgomery is a polarizing player because he was one of the best running backs in the second half last year. He was the guy you needed. If your league mate had Dalvin Cook, you needed David Montgomery. And he broke out all over the place. It was a year after we wanted it to happen, but he finally did it. Then they bring in Damian Williams. They're getting Tariq Cohen back. What's your projection for David Montgomery in 2021? You on him or you off him? Uh, of course I'm on him. It's mandatory. It's hashtag mandatory Montgomery as it always is. I've got him at RB13 presently. He is going to be a workhorse running back. You know, Damian Williams is going to come in and spell him probably six to eight times per game. I'm not really worried about Tariq Cohen, uh, and neither is Matt Nagy, because I think they can work symbiotically on the field together in concert with one another. Uh, Cohen essentially is going to come in and play slot. I mean, Anthony Miller is no longer part of this franchise, trade over the weekend to the Houston Texans. There, see, 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 this is what I love. When you talk about Anthony Miller leaving, it's in the context of Tariq Cohen, and that's the proper context. When we talk about Michael Thomas going down, don't bury the lead. This makes Alvin Kamara the RB3 in fantasy drafts. When Anthony Miller gets traded to the Houston Texans, don't talk about Darnell Mooney as if he wasn't going to be the starter already. It's not about Darnell Mooney. It's not affecting Darnell Mooney. What it affects is Tariq Cohen. His snap share goes up. His slot rate goes up a lot. It does. And, you know, Montgomery is still going to be a safety valve underneath um, with the Bears for scoreboard chasing, which, you know, will happen uh, quite a few times this year. You know, is he going to catch another 50 plus balls? You know, I might temper that expectation a little bit. I think he's in the 40 to 45 range. Uh, but could he exceed 1150, 1200 on the ground? Absolutely. In a 17 game season. I mean, the guy has got ridiculous shimmy and shake. You know, he's forced more missed tackles than Alvin Kamara over the last couple of seasons. So, I mean, he can really juke guys out of their shoes. And I know what a lot of, uh, you know, draft nicks will say, oh, he's slow, Evans. He, you know, he can't. Yeah, he, he lacks the burst. You're getting the burst discount, though. It's baked into his ADP. He's a fourth rounder because he doesn't have the speed score and the burst. If he, this guy was explosive, he'd be a second round pick. And you know what? I think it's just overrated. When you're talking about a running back, like how many opportunities are you going to see a running back running a straight line? <laughs> it's pretty rare. You know, most of the time guys are cutting, juking, you know, trying to get a couple of extra yards and it's more of a zigzag pattern. That's your case for Javante Williams. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I mean, it's like, I'm just not, you know, I, I, I think Montgomery, people are going to start to realize, especially now that Cam Akers is off the board, you know, there goes one workhorse running back. All right. You know, everybody kind of moves up a tick. Uh, I think Montgomery people are going to look at, they're examining him and the situation. And once Justin Fields, you know, gets into that system with an RPO base, it's only going to benefit Montgomery and the offensive line should be much improved as well. I mean, he's a minimum, a top 15 guy. You're getting outside the top 15 at the running back position. And it's just puzzling. And I know what people are also going to point to, to Matt. And I think it's greatly overvalued is, well, he benefited from a soft schedule last year. You know what he did? I get that. So did Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor had the softest schedule over the last six, seven weeks of the regular season, any running back in the NFL, is anybody questioning him right now? No, they're not. Did Jonathan Taylor have seven straight weeks with 20-plus fantasy points? No. Only David Montgomery did. David Montgomery was the only running back in the NFL that was able to string together that many 20-point games in a row, man. 
Yeah, I, he was, I mean, otherworldly over that stretch. I, I didn't even realize he had seven consecutive 20-point games to finish the uh, the season. I know he was a stud, but that's crazy. That's mind-blowing. That's all the evidence you need. Incredible. And we, we tend to overvalue and focus too much on strength of schedule. Because we don't know until the regular season gets underway and we actually have a sample size because of roster attrition that occurs over the season, too. You know, a team could look strong at the beginning of the year. They lose key players on defense midway through the year. And by the end of the year, they're doughboy soft. So let it play out. Yeah, he's unfairly diminished because of the lack of burst and because of the underwhelming production in the first half last year. Now, is there a truther player that you still roster in dynasty you still believe in every year even though it's been maybe a couple of years have gone by and we've seen really nothing from this guy but but you still believe uh well it was uh, montgomery but he solved that for me last year and and i understand that you know he was still a pretty young player it was always royce freeman for me royce freeman's a great candidate because maybe he goes to los angeles jordan wilkins is another one Oh, uh, who I have always been fond of with the Colts. And, you know, this is why I feel that L.A. Yeah, is is a curiosity because I don't think Daryl Henderson's a long term answer there. You know, he's got to get first crack. And I think Xavier Jones is a really fascinating UDFA kid at SMU at 25 total touchdowns his senior year in 2019. He's a late bloomer. Yeah, he, he could yeah. be he, exactly a late bloomer. Uh, he's got pretty good yak abilities, uh, needs to work on some refinement in other areas. But now he's got an opportunity. I really impressed the coaching staff last year, made it as a special teamer. But, you know, we're going to have some cut downs. And I, there's a piece of me. It's like, Jordan Wilkins, man, come on, Colts, get rid of him. Let him go land somewhere where he can get a chance. And he could be one of those guys at you know, 26, 27 years old, 28 years old, whatever, late in his career that has a Mike Davis-like surge that's what happened mike davis was a seahawk didn't fire mike davis was a bear didn't fire it took till he became a panther to finally get that opportunity and then he was a critical piece for fantasy gamers in 2020 when you look across the league at the best fourth running backs on rosters for teams that you don't think can keep a fourth running back or should keep a fourth running back jordan wilkins in indianapolis and royce freeman in Denver, are two of your top candidates. Yeah, those are two guys that uh, I'm very interested to see what happens uh, because I, I don't think Freeman's making the team unless they deal Melvin Gordon. That could change the the math. Freeman would be so perfect. He's so perfect because he's bigger than Darrell Henderson, yep. but he has the experience in all phases. In fact, Denver used him as a satellite back for a couple of years when it was Freeman and Lindsay, where Lindsay was 190 pounds and they were using him between the tackles and they were <laughs> drawing up screenplays for Royce Freeman. So yep. he has versatility that you need on a shallow depth chart. Now the Rams have the shallowest running back depth chart, and I don't think they want to imagine a world where Darrell Henderson breaks his foot and they're relying on Xavier Jones and Jake Funk in all the high-leverage game situations with a quarterback with a chronic back problem. I don't think that's responsible. That's just not the responsible move if you're Les Snead. You can't do that. No. They're going to make a move. They're going to make a move. They have to. They're not going to sign any of the current veterans that are available out there because they're rubbish. But what they will do is they'll wait for the cutdowns. And there's always quality players that emerge from the woodwork in those situations. Here's my favorite deep sleeper 
to end up in L.A., who's also the third, fourth, fifth running back on his team at this moment on a team that should be shedding all their veterans at this point because they need to go in a complete and total rebuild. It's Rex Burkhead in Houston. Tell me he wouldn't be a nice Swiss Army knife for that backfield. He's what we're talking about. If you're prioritizing versatility, that's Rex Burkhead, man. Yeah, it is. You like that? I like anybody. You, you <laughs> that's like yeah, the speculative Henderson. who Team X should sign? Those are my favorite conversations in all of fantasy football. I'll get you out of here. Give me a bold prediction for this season. Najee Harris catches 70 balls. I'll get you out of here. Give me a bold prediction for this season. Najee Harris catches 70 balls. <laughs> That's it. That's the show. Good stuff, man. I appreciate it. I got a bolt. Yep. A major media company is oh, about cool. all I can tell you. No, um, nice. It's been in the works for months. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So, you know, I'm excited to get back in the saddle, but man. Is it going to um, be fantasy still? Fantasy and betting, yep. It'll be a mixture of both. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have some decision-making in the process, and, you know, it's it's more than just uh, my ugly face in front of the camera, which is great. It's kind of what I wanted. Well, yeah, FTN's growing like crazy now. They've got a good crew over there. You know, getting Friedman on was, I think, very smart and savvy move. We'll see how profitable they'll be this upcoming season. Godspeed all, all the people over there. There's a, a lot of really fantastic folks. It's a tough game, dude. It's a tough grind. Doing anything fast would be terrifying to me. Yeah. Because what we basically have done year after year is just test the market, see where the demand is for different types of content. Yep, exactly. Feel it out and move slowly, meticulously, deliberately in a direction because we don't have you know, a funding source. We have to basically fund it with cash flow. So we can't necessarily go out and lever up and microwave something in a year. That's not something we can do. And so for us, it's got to be this organic tortoise winning the race type of thing. No, and it, honestly, that's uh, that's the way it's got to be. And, you know, with FTN, we try to do everything at a lightning pace. And, you know, it had its pitfalls. But, you know, thankfully, we had a little bit of money that was coming in uh, to fund some of the projects that we were doing. But ultimately, it was, you know, marketing. Um, and getting those sales and those agreements that fueled the foundation for the company and, you know, poured that solid concrete base to build off of. But yeah, I understand that it's a slog. It is. And it is a, you know, slow and steady wins the race endeavor. So you're certainly right there. You know who did a great job of this? Four for four. They've been around for like yeah. 12 years. Yeah. And they've just been brick by brick. I, yeah, I admire now, that. Now they've a lot, got actually. their sports betting side which is, you know, flourishing for them. Uh, they've been really shrewd in some of the decisions they've made in terms of partnerships. They brought in the right people. I mean, you're right. I mean, they're a, a phenomenal case study on how to do it over the long haul. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's very cool. So you have 45 minutes? I got 45, and I got a hard out because I have a meeting I have to be on. I, I think we should. I think people would enjoy hearing a little bit about how you got into the, into the business and stuff. Would you mind sure. that? 
Yeah, yeah, do whatever. Yeah, if, I yeah. mean, you sent me a long list of questions. And I never know how long. Some of these shows go two and a half hours. Some of them go an hour. It just depends on the time. So I just threw a bunch of questions at you, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> um, and, and it's also for me. So, that I, you know, it's kind of my cheat sheet during the show. So we'll have to talk at least Michael Thomas. Cam Akers is already stale. Everyone's already over the Cam Akers news. We could talk the Watson rumors since they're fresh this morning. Uh, you know, what kind of ripple effects and impacts that could have speculatively. Tom Pacellero of uh, Pelezero. What is Pacellero? I think, hang on a second. Let me pull up Tom's. Uh, I always get his name mixed up in my head. Anyway, the rumor is the Texans won three first rounders for Watson. And they're yeah. making this known publicly. Now, Watson is, you know, he showed up at training camp. So he is there on site, uh, but he is uh, Pelissero. That's how you pronounce Wait, it. Wait, if, if someone thinks that he's worth three first rounders, then the assumption is he's not going to be suspended. Well, that's what Houston is tossing out there. But yeah, I mean, read between the lines, you would think. How that could they the ask for that if they knew he was getting suspended? Well, I mean, think about it this way, Matt. He's not on the exemplist. So that right there is a, a tell by the commissioner's office that, look, if, if he is in all this legal hot water, which he is in a civil court, but there's no criminal charges that have been filed. Obviously, you know, he's violated the personal conduct policy, but Goodell has not placed him again on the exempt list. So I don't know if Goodell is letting these civil cases play out before acting, but I find it very strange. And you're right, you know, behind the scenes, there could be discussions of, oh, yeah, he's not going to be on the exemplist. He's going to be free and clear to do whatever he wants because um, there was no criminal charges filed. This really makes me mad that I didn't draft Watson in the Scott Fishbowl. Well, yeah, that and a number of best ball leagues uh, that we've all been participating in because he is kind of the, the golden ticket. And yeah. those late, you should be in, in best ball mania on underdog. You should have been drafting him in every draft. Yeah, how could you not? Just the probability of winning that's so low, it's it's much lower than the probability of Deshaun Watson playing a full season. Yeah, that's exactly right. And you know now it's sounding increasingly likely. You know maybe he'll be available to play. Now I I think the other thing that could happen here is he gets lost in purgatory. So where he gets lost in purgatory is, you know he he's at camp. They don't trade him because nobody wants to deal with a guy with baggage, which is a distinct possibility uh, because there could be repercussions down the road from the commissioner. And he's already made it known, hey, though cordially, I'm not playing for you guys anymore. You know, I'm here abiding by what is stated in my contract. I'm showing up. I'm trying to be right. a, a good citizen, if you will. But at the end of the day, he may not move. So he sits out the entire year. So there's that option. You know, that's yeah, a possibility. I didn't, yeah, the, the him sitting out the year is now more likely because the likelihood of the suspension has now gone down. Yeah, that's correct. Because he, he refuses to play a single down for this Texans organization. He's made that abundantly clear publicly. Okay, let me bring you on then. Let's All right, just, let's do it. Let's just talk about that. The, the, the three topics plus a little bit of your, your background, which is, I think is good for people. The young people, they need to know that you, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> they need Us, to know that you, me, you me as where, an ancient, where you came from that you're an og an yeah the, the young people that are just getting into this today brad evans is an og well okay? uh that's uh that's an honor if uh, i have that kind of distinction <laughs> nobody's what to be an OG yes, of course you what do you mean no i don't i, I don't Faux think humility. get out of here just going out there doing my damn get job. out of here get out of here i'm gonna bring you in gonna all bring right cool in. yeah let's do it
Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program. Because we're looking for Signal. And he knows how to fade the noise. <laughs> Formerly of Yahoo and soon to be somewhere else. Uh, coming from parts unknown, Brad Evans. Talk to me. Hey, what's up, sexy? Uh, thanks for having me on, Mr. Kelly. It- yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's actually uh, entirely spot on and entirely realistic as well. So I was uh, a teacher. Uh, I taught at an alternative high school here in Champaign. Was that like in the 90s, like grunge? No, no. This is early 2000s. No, I mean alternative. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I see what you're saying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's what you're going with. I thought you were saying it was in the 90s. Terrible dad joke. What, was Eddie Vedder in the class? <laughs> Yeah, we were blasting Soundgarden, uh, you know, we're playing Lithium on Sirius XM and just, you know, we cranked it to 11 every single day in class. Uh, I was slow the take on the alternative. Yeah, well played by you. A uh, big fan of alternative rock. But anyway, I digress. Now my team is finished. Oh, no. That's absurd. That's absurd. That also means more targets for Alvin Kamara. You can't bury the lead that this helps Alvin Kamara a lot. And your boy. Don't forget about Adam Troutman. Never, ever, ever, ever forget about Adam Troutman. (laughs) It's your guy. It's your guy. I am Adam Troutman. What's up, sexy? Uh, Thanks for having me on, Mr. Kelly. He's a slow processor. You have a great chin, just like Tom Brady. I'll swallow the worm if you swallow the scorpion. Let's just agree uh, on that. He's a slow processor. I thought you were saying it was in the 90s. Terrible dad joke. What, was Eddie Vedder in the class? <laughs> yeah, we were blasting Soundgarden. 